Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this episode, we talk techutainment and the 2080 tie, and we look forward to the latest game releases. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McCain. You know, I've been very excited about getting one of these new 2080 ties. We, we talked about this last podcast. By we the way. did, and I was holding off and debating, and I still have to tell you, I, I, I got to have one, man. It's that week for Battlefield Five, the ray tracing, the whole nine yards. But when I started going out to do the research this week again, you know what I found? Uh, tell me, which <laughs> I found articles telling me that 2080 ties are dying, that they're, they're garbage, that they're a dangerous risk, and that you should not buy this generation because they are failing. They are failing, and I, I want to say there was probably a report of somebody like burning down their garage trying to overclock one of these. It's things. incredible. You leave this in a mining machine, and like your whole country is going to go up in flames. Is kind of the impression that I'm getting. Yeah, and I'm really struggling because I can't seem to find any hard evidence. It just seems like wildfire on the internet that the 2080s are failing. It's a design flaw. If I, I don't even know because there's not a lot of information behind it. So I have to ask you. What's going on with the 2080 ties? The story goes, and I'm not going to be the expert on this one. This is all stuff that I've just kind of seen and seen some of the articles. I believe it all started with Gamers Nexus. Gamers Nexus. Now, I, I think that name sounds really familiar. Yeah. I hate to do name drops for YouTube channels because they are the death of written sites like <laughs> mine, even though they go to written sites to get the information so that they can go make a uh, techutainment video and you know, I could complain forever. I like that term, techutainment. It sort of reminds me of entertainment tonight. I think it's probably the same thing. Right, right. The guy at Gamers, Gamers Nexus, the rumor is he killed his 2080 tie. Okay. All last month, there was this YouTube battle of, oh, let's overclock our 2080 ties. We talked about it. Yeah, we did talk about it. I thought that was kind of cool, actually. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So here's the thing, though. It's like overclocking is inherently dangerous, right? You Don't can, do it if you can't afford the bill. Yeah, you can. You stress your hardware in ways that it's not intended to. It's not under warranty. There's a lot of warnings. And the labels are obscure with the free performance. That's right. So, well, But, you know, on the plus side, just a reminder that we've talked a lot about the fact that right now hardware is really still ahead of software. Mm -hmm. You don't need a cutting-edge machine for pretty much everything that you're doing out there today, including running Battlefield Five. Yeah. At really high settings. As the story goes, uh, Gamers Nexus killed their card. I want to say that they used it as an opportunity to create a video, to create some news and get people talking about them, which is what I'm doing right now. Sure, get some hits. Get some hits. I want views. I need the views. I need the subs. So he's rallying to get other people that have killed their 2080 ties, this thousand twelve hundred dollars GPU. Spendy. To say, hey, I killed mine too. This is what happened. Oh, get the pitchforks. Let's round these puppies up. Exactly. He started a Reddit thread and he has people kind of talking about it. And some people are saying they're idiots for like killing their card. And some people are saying that your card isn't dead. You're just trying to, for the views or the lulls, right? Right. And that has gotten the interest of a lot of other sites, including well, yeah. Digital Trends. I get that because we're talking about a spendy you know, video card that a lot of folks have uh, really been looking forward to for a long time, myself included. And uh, why not put a little fear mongering around that? Yeah. So Digital Trends has kind of written several articles combined or 
you know, culminating all of this rumor mill. And the latest article is titled, The Failing RTX 2080 Thai GPU Problem Doesn't Seem Widespread, at least for now. You know, you got to add that least for now, right? Well, sure. Got to cover bases. We've been in hardware a long time. And we always, we know that guy or that girl that always seems to RMA their stuff. <laughs> yes, indeed. You, you go down to Best Buy, you pick up a computer, it doesn't turn on. Oh my God, I have to RMA it. It always seems to be that it's the same person always having either bad luck or doing something wrong. And I want to say that everyone that has an RTX that's failing is probably one of those people. How are you doing it wrong? That's a good question because we're only talking about a video card. Yeah, so this article goes through and it talks about, uh, let's see, over a few weeks ago, a report a seemingly unsettled number of dead and dying RTX 2090s, whatever, goes down here and he starts citing all of these tech sites. You know, we got Overclockers UK talking about how they killed one. So as we're scrolling down, we see Digital Storm is quoted in here. They are builders of custom uh, desktops, which are high-end ones. And they, they haven't seen any alarming return rate. Well, that's comforting. Well, they don't sell that many PCs. But then we also have DeBauer. Of course, we have to interview DeBauer. And he is representing Case King in Germany and saying out of thousands that have been sent out, there is about a 1.4% return rate. And then, of course, that's no they claim that that's noticeably higher than the 0.01% of the, uh, what is it, the regular version, the 1080. Right. Or 2080. It doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot at all. And then we go down to Tom's Hardware Germany is talking about temperatures. Maybe it's a heat issue that's causing these cars to fail. Well, that makes sense, right? I mean, they're using the new Micron GDR6. They aren't claiming that it's out of spec in terms of temperatures. And I would happen to agree. The way that the cards are set up is you have a thermal plate that goes over the memory and it's independent of the one around the GPU so that they cool both independently. Well, it's not like Micron did not do their testing on that. So that's comforting. We get on the gamers Nexus who killed the card or rumored to kill the card. They are complaining that it's the thermal pads. Oh no, thermal pads. To bring up the, the fear mongering and the way that people release hardware, it's like, well, let's look at temperature. So with the Intel CPUs, you can delid them to get better thermals, right? Right. Remove that, that thermal paste. Some of the old video cards, even a long time ago, they had thermal pads. That was the most efficient way to have a good, inefficient connection to have a thermal connectivity. Makes sense, because from a manufacturing standpoint, you have a lot of control if you use a pad as opposed to some sort of liquid uh, heat transfer, right? And even the, th the thermal paste that they use from the factory is designed to, it's designed to harden because that is how you get a thermal connection between the two. It isn't the most efficient thermal connection, but if they are trying to put liquid metal on an assembly line, they're going to have a lot of dead hardware. Okay, so we haven't really uh, gotten to a problem here. As we're scrolling through, the, the author of the article has come to the conclusion that we have, you know, there's, there's not a problem. It's somebody's hunting for views here. Well, yeah, and I get that they are saying that this could be just something as simple as a driver refresh, and that's not uncommon when a new video card comes out. I mean, it is honestly kind of expected from an early adopter that you're going to have multiple firmware issues and, and software upgrades kind of right in a row as they fine-tune the cards. And that's a byproduct of the hardware racing to get out ahead of the software and the release dates being generally pretty widely vocalized, which means that you have a pretty set release date. As we know, because we're both in that industry, 
you are releasing what is your best possible product, but it may not be 100% day one. No, and with RTX, the other issue is that, you know, we talked about this last podcast. I'll link it in the show notes so you can check it out. But we commented on the price of the 2080 tie, and it's $1,200. Wow, still shocking. Still, ouch. And then you still have the 2080, and then we will have 2070s and 2070 ties that are coming out as well. Each one of those is priced down market to kind of match an elevated price of a 10 series generation of the same. Right. We have this added cost. If a techutainment site or a new site wants to, you know, strike fear, you know, get people to read their article, right? Say, oh, well, I killed this or this is dying unexpectedly. You're going to read that. You're going to wonder why was it that they killed it? Again, that could be just one person saying, oh, I killed my card they might have dropped a soda on it and didn't actually disclose it. I mean, EVGA has gotten hardware back that has been, it looked like it went through a washing machine and they're <laughs> no. trying to get an RMA replacement on it. And it's like, well, how can you do that? Whereas if it just legitimately fails, you may not know exactly why it failed. It just stopped working. Well, and realistically, you need a certain percentage of these things to come back in order to target a problem. If it's something you didn't find during your uh, your testing before you put these things out the door. And I get that. The reality is that I think if I were to recommend today, I would say that there isn't a problem. I mean, this reminds me of some of the recall problems that you have in your car you're probably driving today. And it wasn't a big deal, right? You just went down and dealt with the recall, especially if you bought a new car. Yeah. And the advantages here, and, and Digital Trends, I think, nails this pretty quickly, is if you're going to buy a 2080 tie, that it might make more sense for you to get a hand-binned upgraded version which is what most enthusiasts would buy anyway. Yeah, you get that, a card that's had a little more testing, a little bit bigger heat sink, has probably been manually put together. You're getting that additional benefit of the premium product, which is probably going to reduce your risk enough that it might be zero. Yeah, well, and that's the hot clocked editions. Uh -huh. And those are the ones that are tuned from the factory. They've already been, the cooling's been vetted to handle that additional amount of heat and stress because they're going to be warranting it. So that would be... Don't buy the Founders Edition. Go for the one that, uh, you know, it's going to be faster. It's going to have a better cooler, like what you had mentioned. And it will be, in a lot of cases, custom. It will be not the standard board from NVIDIA. And the reality is, is that's not fear-mongering at all. That's just what we would normally recommend to our enthusiast audience. If you don't have to have that Founders Day rush out right now, you're always going to do a little bit better if you can find a factory overclocked edition. And to be realistic, you're going to buy a card at that level with a good warranty anyway, so I still think you can buy without fear. Darren, in the last segment, we talked about the awesome power of the RTX 2080 tie and how it may or may not actually explode in your computer. <laughs> I still got to have one. I'm just gotta, not sure when. Well, it's ray tracing. It's awesome. It's the new technology from NVIDIA, the best I'm going to say this is probably the better of the GPUs. AMD guys will probably hate me, but I'm going to say yay. Sorry, guys. But all of that power is not necessarily designed for mining. It's designed for gaming. Hallelujah. And I thought we might spend a few minutes and talk about the holiday season and what games you have pre-ordered, what games are going to be coming out. And there was a record set like a week ago. Wow, that sounds like an interesting place to start. I, would, I know there's a lot of hot games coming out. This is actually one of the most exciting fall seasons for me for games in quite a while. Do tell. 
All right, well, let's talk about this record-setting game because it was kind of a surprise for me. A real surprise for me. The game Red Dead Redemption 2. So according to this article we're looking at, Red Dead Redemption 2, that's almost a mouthful, yeah. gallops to a record-setting $725 million in its opening weekend, which is the highest-selling game ever. Now, this is from Rockstar, so they have had... They've had uh, a lot of big A lot releases. of records. Yeah. Uh, the Grand Theft Auto is usually what we'd be talking about. Mm-hmm. And some would argue that Red Dead Redemption series is really just Grand Theft Auto in the wild, wild west. I think it even says that here in this article. Mm-hmm. I have the first Red Dead Redemption, and I rather enjoyed it, although I found, not unlike all games that are sandboxy, that it got a little repetitive for me, and I can't say that I ever finished it. I'm not even sure you can finish it, to be honest. Maybe not. What I was reading here was that 725 million opening weekend was a higher grossing take than even some of the latest Avengers movies in the theater. In fact, I've heard that too. And they said the same thing when the last Grand Theft Auto V came out, that it was actually the top grossing entertainment title of all times, which has got to really piss off the Marvel folks. Yeah, just a little bit. So why is Red Dead Redemption so awesome? From what I've read, I've not never played the series. So aside from just seeing a couple of videos, I don't know anything about it. But a lot of the chatter is that the in-game NPCs that you interact with will react to things that have happened to them in the game. Oh, well, that's kind of the trend these days. And that's just building on what really Grand Theft Auto V did, which has been uh, really just astronomical, the game. And I still can't even believe that the sale prices on it are as high as they are. So it's this is, I think, really just building on the fact that this modern era is really not so much about going to the theater, but more about sitting at home and playing video games, which I don't know what that says about society. <laughs> it, it's, I don't know. The fact that it made so much money, I'm impressed. And I almost want to pick up the game just because of this. But then I got a little burned on Grand Theft Auto V. Right. I bought it for the console when it first came out. And I made it about maybe a quarter of the way through before I just got burned out on it because I didn't like playing on the console. Well, the good news is that the original Red Dead Redemption was released on basically every platform known to man. And it's been out for quite a while. So it's really cheap. And I would argue that maybe starting there is not a bad place if you don't already have it. However, I should tell you, Dennis, that as excited as Red Dead Redemption kind of makes me because of the records it set, I didn't buy it. I am somehow not shocked. <laughs> now, it's not because it's not a fantastic game, and I did enjoy the first one. I just found that it wasn't my thing. In fact, I didn't actually buy Grand Theft Auto V either because I found that uh, Saints Row was kind of more my speed, even though it was really just kind of a parody of the Grand Theft Autos. And I just kind of found that series played out. But as regular listeners will probably guess, I have purchased some other pre-purchase games. But I think this might be an opportunity to segue back to the best games, according to Business Insider, that are coming out this year for the fall holiday season and just see if we can make some recommendations. And as we're going through these, we'll see how quickly you can guess which ones I might have purchased. And long-time listeners, I'm sure will not be surprised that you are still in wait-and-see mode. Uh, yeah, sadly. I am so predictable. You're all about the hardware. I know. All yeah. right, so the first game on the list, we have Madden NFL 19. 
I mean, feel like we do this podcast every year, and every year there are a couple of sports titles on them, and every year I wonder why they make so much money. <laughs> <laughs> why do people go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's true. The miracle of football is amazing, and I'm hoping as we pass through this there might be a soccer or even a racing game on here, but I'm not holding my breath. Okay. Well, and we should preface as we are talking about these Business Insider published this article in November 9th or 6th or something like that, and some of these games are already out. So you could kind of consider this a holiday or even a Black Friday shopping guide if you're looking for the hot new games or if you have a gamer in your household. All right, so a hot game that had a lot of press is this next one. It's the Marvel Spider-Man. People like this game because of it has selfie mode. So you could go around and take your picture with NPCs. <laughs> you could... Um, much like in Red Dead Redemption, things that happened in the game would perpetuate. Now, this is an interesting title because as a PlayStation 4 exclusive, this is going to really drive the Sony sales over the holiday season. Mm -hmm. Uh, The early buzz on this game is really great. It's beautiful. My son, a huge fan of Spider-Man, so this will most likely find its way under the tree in our house. Nice, nice. And I have to say that I've enjoyed the Spider-Man games mostly because... You can just kind of wander around and be Spider-Man without having to advance the game and still have a good time. That is a bonus, really, because that gives you in-game. It really does. And, and you know, like uh, other games that are like that steep is a great example. Sometimes I just want to go and play just to kill some time, not necessarily because I need to really think or be challenged. I just want to get that escapist feeling. You should learn how to play Minecraft. <laughs> you keep saying that, but All right. it's Next. just not for me. <laughs> Next game we have NBA 2K19. Yeah, well, if you're going to have football, I guess you got to have basketball too. Yeah, this the, one came out on September 11th, by the way. The good news is the graphics continue to improve and the teams. I I always feel like those games are really kind of time capsules where you get whatever the teams were when the game was designed. And then the real money isn't just trying to keep up with where the team is today. Yeah, very true. Next one, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I have been looking to buy this one. I'm a bit selfish because um, I, I use it for benchmarking. <laughs> I don't ever play the game. I have the entire Tomb Raider series. I think I got it on sale on Steam one day, and i just been adding when they come out. I did really enjoy the last couple Tomb Raiders. I found that they were really nice improvements on the series as a whole, and the storyline was relatively strong, although the games, both of them were shorter really than they had a right to be. Mm-hmm. They were fun to play. I still am sort of an Uncharted fan, but I find the games very similar. I, I like this quote here. Shadow is more is a mere brutal version of the Laura Croft we have known in previous Tomb Raider games. Look no further than the direct nod to Apocalypse Now, seen above, pulled from the last major trailer for an idea of how brutal it may get. I don't think that's a bad decision because we feel like, and, and even the Spider-Man game is a great example, much like the Marvel superhero movies that you talked about, there's really no danger to the protagonist really ever, right? So you you buy these games and you just kind of expect to be sort of invincible and superhuman. Mm -hmm. And so uh, making it more visceral, I think, makes it more real, more challenging, and it gives you the opportunity to advance the character. Yeah. Some may argue that it's just amping the gore value because they don't know what else to do. Well, that's true, but that's also taking advantage of modern graphics, which we talked about in the last segment. We're tying this all together. It's crazy. All right, next one. Speaking of graphics, we got Forza Horizon 4 racing game. That This series keeps growing. 
It's crazy. You know, one of the great things about the Forza series is how realistic it's gotten. And I have to admit, as a PlayStation member, and that being where my household's committed, that this is really the only game that constantly makes me feel like I was wrong and I should buy an Xbox. Well, and the car is more realistic. They're always putting out car packs and track packs. And my gosh, it is really what racing should be these days. Yeah. Well, I ended up buying the Xbox One or the X-Bone, even though in a previous podcast that I'm not going to link in the show notes, you will have to find it. I said I wasn't going to. Sucker. Did you get Forza, though? I did not. Oh. And ironically, racing games are the only ones I can play on the console that I don't like playing on the PC. You know, I'm kind of like that. I do not like racing games on the PC, but I still feel like I should get one of those nice, you know, you need wheels. Wheels and the pedals to do it right. Yeah, I don't know. It's almost a whole nother console in itself. VR. Yeah, that's come, where it goes. Coming soon. All right, uh, Mega Man Eleven. I wow. Okay, <laughs> Eleven Mega Man. Um, well, I guess you got to have a platform jumper every year, and why not a Mega Man? They did put out the two greatest hits collections over the last couple of years, and they were pretty good. But I got to tell you, I got the first one on the PlayStation Four. And I started to play it, and it just was so dated, I just I just couldn't do it. And I ended up trading it off. That's really sad that we, we have these games that we love from a while ago, however wild you can uh, take a guess. And you go to play them again after playing a modern title, and it, the feel is not there, even though it visually in your head mm-hmm. it was this amazing thing. Well, and sometimes the nostalgia and the memory is just better than the reality. Now, this next one's an interesting title. I have played these titles off and on since they first came out, and it's Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I do like the gameplay of Assassin's Creed, and it's just sandboxy enough that I can kill time in it like we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. But what I find is there's just not enough new there for me to get every generation, and I may be a minority here. So I tend to skip one or two titles and then I'll jump back in again just to see what they've changed with the gameplay and the graphics. Yeah, they seem to change even the genre of it. Now, there is supposedly a movie or movie series coming out based on them. And I have to admit, I'm a little intrigued. They haven't done well with video game movies in the past. Doom. This is one that sort of feels like it lends itself to a really great period piece with a sci-fi rapper. Awesome. Speaking of sci-fi, we got Super Mario Party, which I think we'll just skip. Uh, Captain, man, my kids liked it when they were younger, but it just kind of gathers dust. Well, that is on the Nintendo Switch exclusively. What? So. Who buys those? I don't know. Uh, next one. Oh, my God. This will probably be the next Red Dead Redemption. We got Call of Duty Black Ops 4 because yep. the first three did not tell people enough about how <laughs> crappy it was. And I'm sure the Call of Duty folks are pissed that Red Dead took their crown because they tend to sell like wildfire, too. And I have to admit that there are some new game modes including Battle Royale, because, you know, everybody's doing Battle Royale, mm-hmm. that are somewhat intriguing that have been getting a lot of press. I have to admit that the last time I played Call of Duty was COD 4. COD 4. I still use it in my benchmarks still because it's so, so good for love that. it, and I do kind of miss the zombie play, but I don't know. I'm a Battlefield guy, and Call of Duty to me is kind of the Twitch reverse action on it. It's the AMD to your NVIDIA. You may drag me kicking and screaming, but it will be a drag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got Soul Calibur 6, which I don't know anything about. 
Well, I've always said that if you're a console player, you have to have a fighting game. I mean, because oh, that's true. consoles have to have fighting games. Like, you should have a good platformer if you have a console. Mm-hmm. And this is a great opportunity. Now, I know everybody has kind of a different choice these days. Uh, I'm not a Soul Calibur guy myself. Uh, I enjoyed Tekken for a while, and I've even kind of moved away from that. And these days, that I'm all about Injustice, superhero combat in my house. <laughs> nice. If there's any... Um I picked this out at the very end of this first paragraph. It says very positive. So seems good. Very technical. Very impressive. Yep. Red Dead Redemption 2. We already kind of talked about that. It was uh, out October 26th as of this recording. Yeah, I'll probably end up picking it up, um, but maybe Whoa. I'll get it second round used. All right. So Hitman 2. And I thought Hitman 2 was already out. You know, I think this is a newer version. This is sort of like when we talk about Halloween and how they're different versions of the movies and different oh, yeah. okay. twos and stuff. I think this one's getting reinvented again. This is a great opportunity to pick up the anthology on the cheap mm-hmm. if you're not already an owner. And I feel like this is one of those games that you already know if you like or you don't. But I did enjoy the mission-based aspect of it enough to dip my toe in the Hitman world. Yeah. However, I just am not patient enough for it. And I think my last game that I enjoyed like this was probably Thief, which I still have such huge fond memories. And this is kind of in that same nostalgia boat where the re-release of Thief, and I didn't love it. So Yeah, I think it was Far Cry 4 or something. I couldn't make it past the first mission where you had to sneak past some dudes oh, that kept no. shooting you. I'm like, nope, not going to happen. Uh, next game, Fallout 76. I... This is the first game on this list that I pre-ordered, and I resisted. I really did. I love the Fallout genre. I have all of them and tend to put a ton of time into finishing every mission. And to me, this is my maybe mm, slow down after a long day and just play an evening of Fallout if I don't have anything better to do. Now, the reason that I resisted is Fallout 76 is online focused. And it just is the first game like that. And I really want it to be good. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm really afraid that it's going to require me to play with groups of people. And that doesn't fit my usual style for Fallout, which is, oh, i got a couple hours to kill, I'm going to play Fallout. Now I have to organize a crew, and I have to get together with my friends. and So I'm, uh, I'm a little disappointed. But on the side note, those of you that have listened to the podcast for a long time will know that this is one of the very few games, and it's a really short list, that I don't play on the PC and we talk about occasionally that being a bad decision, but I've always felt like it lent itself to console play. Yeah. Next one on the list, we have Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. I've um, seen the videos. They want you to play Pokemon at home. They want you to play it cooperative. They want you to use the motion control. They're really, really trying to make the Nintendo Switch a thing. I just... No. 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 Uh, Battlefield 5. We We've, talked a lot about Battlefield 5 on yep. the last episode, and I don't want to waste a lot of time on it except for to say that it's preloading right now at my house. And, and RTX enabled, which you don't have one. Not yet, and it might it might be the one that pushes me over. I have mixed feelings about it. Go listen to the previous podcast, but overall, I'm going to probably put a lot of hours into it. This next one, I think, is going to break the world. Super Smash, Smash Brothers Bros. Ultimate. Ultimate. Oh, this is such a polarizing game. <laughs> I know. So Super Smash Brothers is old Nintendo tech, right? And you have to have an old television to play it. And you have people that do these massive tournaments. This seems like the modern version of what will be 
that. Well, the biggest challenge always on these games is balance. But as you mentioned, we go to land parties and there's a Super Smash club that shows up and this is all they do. Yeah. I respect that. And it's a lot of fun to watch. And they get a little technical. It kind of reminds me of Tekken, like we already talked about. If you have mastered a couple of characters, it's really kind of an art form to watch you play. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to me, it's really kind of a button masher. My kids love it, but I just have never found any skill in it at all. Yeah, so the one downside from this is that it's on Nintendo Switch exclusive, which is, I think that they would have a much wider audience if they opened it up. There, you know, we've talked about this before. The fact that Nintendo has started talking about licensing their games may be the way that they survive in this next generation. It's no secret that the next generation Xbox and Playstations are already in development. And in fact, there have been a lot of rumors about them. And traditionally, Nintendo has been a little bit behind the curve, sometimes a lot behind the curve. Yeah. So there's a lot of speculation about whether they will even try to compete in the next generation or if they will finally give in to licensing their products to other platforms, much like Atari did. Yeah. So before we recorded this segment, I was showing Darren some um, some game footage from some Bethesda event about the Doom Eternal. Oh my gosh, 2019 releases already. I know. Well, it's as of this recording, a couple months away. Yeah. So... I thought it'd be kind of fun just to go down the list of what's coming out in 2019 and uh, just pick some highlights maybe. Yeah. So, so you should talk a little bit about doom. Cause I know that's kind of your thing and I'm sort of lukewarm about it. Yeah. So the original, the original re-release of doom, it really brought back the single player twitchy first person shooter that I like to play as much as I, you know, can. And I want to say that I completed that game twice because I enjoyed it so much. Oh, um, yeah. But then again, I, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, several of them really, I am a sucker for a single player game. You know, the, the single play, the story mode. I like to see that aspect of it. And the way to make it fun for me is to, you know, give you a lot to do. Um, you know, the series Sam series was one that I really liked because there was a lot of stuff to shoot. They gave you a lot <laughs> of ammunition awesome. and you were always moving. You, if you stopped, you died. Um, Quake was like that. Quake 2 was like that. Quake 3, which was really more of an arena shooter, was also like that. The Doom, the new Doom, it brought back all of that that I really enjoyed about a single-player game, and it reimagined it and made it modern because I want to say that some of that game genre had gotten stagnant because everyone was going multiplayer. I agree. So with Doom Eternal, they're basically taking the original Doom and then they amping it up. So now... um, the Doom guy has a way to double jump. He has a way to sprint, sprint, um, sprint jump, I guess is what you want to call it. Uh, he has new weapons. He has reimagined weapons. Uh, he has a, a few more um, tricks up his sleeve for doing finishing moves and stuff like that, which if there was one complaint, those finishing moves get a little redundant after a while because, you know, you do the right combination and you always get that finishing move. Um, and you even saw that in the gameplay that was being shown. There was a couple of smashed heads and a couple of like eyeball smashes and stuff like that. But I still liked it because they didn't take away from what made Doom fun to begin with. Well, I have to admit that I was lukewarm about the last Doom. And I felt the cooperative play was a little uninspired. It felt tacked on. Yeah, that was terrible. And it was it was all right, but it kind of felt like the spirit of the old game. I didn't love it like you did, but I, mm-hmm. I thought it was at least worth a play and I ended up buying it. 
And this new one to me, modernization, I think, is a great way of putting it. I thought the level design, at least in the demo, was inspired. Mm -hmm. I thought the enemies looked more varied. I could see some repetition in the finishing moves. I get that, but that's a Doom thing. All that seemed to be missing was the stupid wisecracks, which maybe they've toned down to the point where they're not boring and repetitive. Yeah, well, in the demo, they didn't have any of that voice stuff, but... The game isn't done either. That being said, let's go down the list. We got uh, we got quite a few here. So let's go let's see Battletoads. I haven't <laughs> heard that name in a while. Oh my gosh, that's just a nostalgia game right there. And I I can't say that I love Battletoads. I thought it was kind of interesting in the way that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were, and they seem to have held on. So it'll be interesting to see if they can bring that tongue in cheek humor back in a way that's attractive. Yeah, probably not. Uh Doom Eternal, uh Resident Evil Two remake. I guess they're remastering it. Uh, that might be interesting because Resident Evil used to be good. Um, I still buy them on occasion, and I always kind of feel like I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. I think that game has a future in VR, however. Oh. Uh, let's see. Skipping, skipping, skipping. Oh, Dying Light 2. Oh, now there's a game that we both liked. That might be fun. I yeah. did feel like some of the add-ons for Dying Light, which we've talked about a lot, were a little uninspired, particularly the cars. Come on, guys. Do it right. Yeah. But I liked the core gameplay, and I could see revisiting that with an upgraded system and maybe even a larger sandbox. Very appealing. Yeah. Uh, see, Tom Clancy's Division 2. Isn't right. that out already? I don't know. No, no, no. They're they're geared up for it. You could get Division for free for a brief period of time. Mm-hmm. Dead or Alive 6, another kind of guilty pleasure title for a lot of folks. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Sadly, on the Xbox, I had the uh, the beach volleyball one. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> feel like that's... that's uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, <laughs> Wolfenstein Youngblood. I didn't know they were doing another one of those. That's cool. And I, I felt like the last Wolfenstein uh, multiplayer was vastly underrated. It should have done better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rage 2. I wasn't a fan of Rage 1, but some people liked it. Uh, let's see. Ooh. Elder Scrolls 6. Um, there might be a couple months where we don't do a podcast. Yeah, because that'll be busy. Uh, hopefully they've decided that it is an online-only game because I think that's what killed the last Elder Scrolls. Yeah, the Elder Scrolls Online was just, yeah, it was yeah, bad. It was a good effort, but not good enough. Yeah, uh, Devil May Cry 5, that's a story game, right? Yeah, and a lot of folks like that. I, in fact, I would think that would be right up your alley. It's sort of vaguely anime-ish, mm-hmm. a little bit over the top. I uh, I played the first couple and felt like it got a little repetitive, but some people really get into the story, yeah. and the combat is is interesting. I do love some story. And the last one on our list? Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Oh. Um, These are so hard because they're so hit or miss, and I think that we're due a good Star Wars game. I really do. Yeah. But I haven't heard enough about this one to recommend it, but it does kind of point out there are a lot of games coming up that we haven't heard much about. Like Skull and Bones? Yeah, that's a pirate game is about all I know about it. And we're kind of due one of those. There have been a couple of attempts that have been okay. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. you know, in general, this is, oh, there's a new Metro game on the list. We missed that. Metro, Metro. Exodus. Yeah, yeah. I have played all of those. Beyond Good and Evil 2 will ring a bell to old-time uh, folks because that's uh, uh, Peter Moyonnais, I think, project finally getting another lighted day. We have Gears Tactic. Is this like a Gears of War remake? It doesn't yeah, even say. Yeah, it is a Metal Gear-related game, I want to say, from the icon, but yeah. unknown release date. So yeah. anyway, uh, I think all things being said, it is one of the best game release fall seasons that we've had in a while, probably a couple of years. Yeah, and we have a promising 2019 as well. And this is 
even coming off the fact that there aren't any new console releases. So I think they're stretching their legs a little bit. We're going to see a lot of great games. I'll be excited to see which of these lesser titles ends up being a hot topic. And hopefully it won't just be, you know, the 2019 this soccer game, basketball, football game. We'll actually see some titles take off because the amount of sequels on the list where I get excited about them is still sort of disappointing. There just aren't enough hot new titles out there. So, hey, if there's a game you're excited about, let us know. You can catch us on our website, in the forums, or, of course, on Facebook. Let us know what we missed because, as you know, I'm always looking for a new game. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been an Engine Lane production, copyright 2018. Thanks for listening.